All right, welcome into episode 106 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Quietly taking his headphones off, it's Jamie Eisner. And to my left, it's Craig Morgan. I'm Luke Lipinski. Welcome to the show, everybody. No more Starbucks for you. I didn't even really start drinking it. And it's a small. I've noticed Craig is cutting uh, back on my uh, caffeine ex- intake. Excuse you. Oh, I'm what sorry. What is it, Craig? It's a grande. Okay, it's a medium. It's smaller than Or normal. in American parlance, a medium. <laughs> parlance. <laughs> Already. Say American parlance. I ordered a medium three times. She repeated it back to me as a grande three times. Okay. She wanted to prove a point. Kind of respect that. I'm not sure what the point is with three different languages for three different sizes. That's true. I do feel like she won this battle, though, because you're you're upset. She did have the final word. Yeah. Okay. She read the final one back to me as grande. The final word wasn't even English. It was just grande. Yeah. Which it's not, as you can see. It's it's not grande. It's, It's an oxymoron. Tall is not a tall. A grande is not a grande. Do you, is there a bigger day. pet peeve of yours than the sizing names? I could Starbucks? probably come up with one. Could you? Give me some time. Sure. All right. We'll, we'll ask you two you know weeks into hockey You know what season. we could do with it? We could make a Lipinski oh, list. Okay. This I would do. Oh, so it's not going to happen. Got it. Things that bother <laughs> Craig Morgan. Luke Lipinski not doing a Lipinski's list is I, I right up there. I don't like this sass. You just made the Jamie. list. You know, I'm turning this little microphone wall so I don't have to look at Jamie today. Okay? That, and now I'm finally starting to understand what these things are for. Let's start with the uh, the RFAs, the ongoing story of the offseason, and now rookie camp is about a week away. It's crazy. So teams have decided to start signing them. Uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, who we've had on this show before, reporting the Bruins have offered dropping. David yeah. Pasternak six million at six six million per year at six or seven years. Uh, if they can get it done for that, more power to the Bruins. Yeah, good luck. You don't yeah, so. well, well, that's the thing. They, they gave him the length. option, as DuPont reported, the option of six or seven years. And uh, David Pasternak has yet to accept that, which tells me something. <laughs> yeah, he went. His agent went. How? Wait, how many UFA years is that buying out? Yeah, no. Yeah, is, so. is, he's just re- he's laughing right now, and that's why he's not responding. Well, or? let's just call that a starting point. Oh, okay. A starting point for negotiations. Okay. Well, they need to get him signed soon. Well, Toronto did sign Connor Brown, so they've got all their RFA's under contract. Toronto is set. Toronto's good to go for this upcoming season. Three years, two point one million AAV. Connor Brown, one of those underrated players, in my opinion. On the, obviously, on that team, there were so many young stars that it's easy to get overshadowed. It's tough to be underrated on the Maple Leafs, though. It really is. That's true. But you yet, mean locally. You're right. He somehow did it. Yeah. He's overlooked, I guess, nationally because you're right. He was overshadowed by how many great rookies last year. Yeah. So what are well, you going to do? Well, because, I mean, Toronto has one line that people talk about, and then they kind of forget about everybody else. Yeah. It's a pretty good line, though. I'll, I'll, I'll take that line. Matt Hendricks, one-year deal with the Jets. Is, is he gonna is he gonna goaltend? <laughs> so far, both comments on this story, one by me and one by Jamie, have both been questions. So, Craig, you want to answer our questions? My, I guess I have another question. Actually, oh, good. The, well, maybe more of a statement. Is he? These are the goaltend? kinds of signings. <laughs> when I look at signings like this, I just say, why? Why are you tying up that spot with Matt Hendricks? Why not put a prospect in at this point? What what is he going to give you? He's a Face-off specialist. He had a very high face-off percentage. We know how cool. incredibly overrated that statistic is in the league. I, I, I don't get this signing at all. We've already previewed the Jets, right? I, I think I remember about 15 minutes of us questioning how this team never makes the playoffs. No, no, I know other why. Goaltending, other than goaltending. Well, how they allow themselves to not make the playoffs by simply just go out and sign a goalie. It's just one of those things where you a have... being the operative phrase. You yes, have a, a real goalie. A, a goalie. very specific and very large flaw that everybody can see. Are you talking to me? 
Not not this time. Oh, okay. That was for off the okay. air. And that would be multiple, so. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. I don't, you, know. you have multiple equally sized flaws. I don't have to take this. You, you don't, but you're here. Unlike the Winnipeg Jets, I address my flaws. You just you just want it. You just you just come here, you just come here for the coffee, but you again you have a very the grande coffee the grande coffee you have a very obvious flaw that you just absolutely for whatever reason refuse to address. Goaltending? Yes, yes. I don't understand. I, it's it's so it's so rare in today's game to have a very specific path to making the playoffs. We need a goalie. We've got great prospects. We were very fortunate to move up and get Patrick Laine in the draft last year through. No skill of our own. We just basically won the lottery more so, really more so than Toronto even did because Toronto had the worst record. Winnipeg didn't, and Winnipeg gets to move up there and get Patrick Laine. They've stockpiled prospects. They have a good blue line. They're in a division that was great and is now, it might still be great, but we don't know. It's the division with the least amount of teams. Just get a consistent goalie and you're in the playoffs. Well, the only problem was there were only half a dozen of them available this summer, so (laughs) how are you going to do it? (laughs) The sarcasm on today's show, I, I feel almost overwhelmed at this point. We're not here to be sarcastic. Doesn't take much. We're here to educate. Again, more sarcasm. Elliot Friedman reporting Russian star Danis Zarapov is becoming UFA. Did you guys like meet without me before the show and play yes. this off? This feels very choreographed. If you remember, We wanted to hear you pronounce that name because actually we didn't look it up at all, so you may have just butchered it. No, I, But that's on you. Danis Zarapov. I didn't say his name. I rarely butcher names. Okay. Okay. We established before the show it's not Dynas because, as Craig said, there's no I, even though there is an I. <laughs> In both end. parts of the name. Do we want to call Redeem Burbata and ask him for a pronunciation? Yeah, here? I'm sure he's just waiting by his phone right now hoping we'll call. <laughs> oh, good. Those idiots are calling me asking for me for more European name pronunciation. He actually told me afterward that that was the most enjoyable on-air interview he's ever done. Yeah, he told me that, too. So there you go. But he kind of rolled his eyes and looked over towards you like, maybe next time no Craig. That's how he talks okay. off the air, apparently. Yeah, I would say, what, 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 what country is he now from? He's exactly. uh, Jersey, apparently. <laughs> so a- any news? You were reading some sort of release from the NHLPA. Yeah, well, uh, his whole deal, you know this whole backstory? I-, I guess I should tell you the whole Start backstory. when he was five and just work up from there. Like, let's start with grade school. <laughs> what, he, the, he was suspended for two years by the IHS. In grade school? <sighs> no. Oh, okay. He's 36. All He's right. a Russian forward. He plays in the K. But his like samples, his beach. samples, we know what that means. No, we're not, we don't have to educate people. Are you public reading on. like his, his His samples contain banned stimulants plus substances prohibited as diuretics and masking agents. Now, he's going to appeal this, but the NHL has ruled he wants to play in the NHL. The NHL has ruled he can. The NHLPA released a statement from him today, thanking them for the opportunity, but he still plans to fight this. At any rate, he's 36 years old, but he was incredibly effective. Can you can you pronounce the name of his KHL team, by the way? Akbar's Kazan. He was 36 years old when you started explaining. He's probably about 39 <laughs> now. Okay. Yes. Well, he had 15 <laughs> goals, Kazan. 15 goals in 18 playoff games last year. So this might be a guy. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because he is 36. What sort of deal is he looking for? What sort of deal is any NHL team willing to hand out a 36-year-old forward, even if he is productive? But if mm. he's willing to come on a short-term deal, I mean, he could give someone a real boost. I feel like Vancouver's going to go all in on <laughs> Short-term incentive-based. Uh, they're already in on Thomas Bannock. So <laughs> oh, we were going to get to that in a minute, but yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if he's, if, if he's a productive player, there's 
There's definitely contenders that would take a flyer on him. Why not? Reports that Vegas is interested in him. I don't Why? get that at so all. If, if I were him, I would not go to Vegas. But the Rangers also have shown interest. So, Are we at a point where any player, there's always going to be a report that says Vegas is interested? He's not a defenseman, so they obviously don't want him. Right? And what is he going to do for them? If he steps in, he could step in and score 50 goals next year. It's not going to... And they'll still miss the playoffs by 50 points. Yeah, so... Yeah. I, I mean, if you're acquiring a player like that, you're doing them with the hopes of trading them. You're not, you're not getting a player at 36. Like, wow, this guy will be, he'll be Yager's age by the time that they are relevant again. I don't know. Just, uh, to, to me, that there's, there, there's, gonna, there's almost always a transition year for a player coming over from overseas. It's a different surface, different he's team. he's 36. You know, there's a language barrier. There's, you we know... Think. We, we, sorry, like, like the Little League World Series. It's, We're just going to take him out of the word. Oh, and also, like, he may or may not have failed drug tests. Yeah, so there's that hanging out there, too. That's, that's interesting. Did he play for Magnitogorsk last year? That's the stat I'm looking at. It says he played for Metallurg Magnitogorsk, which sounds like mm. a Metallica album and is much harder to pronounce than Akbar's Kazan. Yeah, Akbar's Kazan is the one that voided the deal. Okay. But, yeah, he did, he did play for that other team. Oh, you're not even going to try no. and say it? No. Uh, you mentioned Thomas Vanek to – well, he's not going to Vancouver yet. I can already see the headlines. Let's just get it out there. We're just going to say – To play Van- with Louis Erickson. It's going to say Vancouver. What a line it'll be. Right? Vancouver. That's what it's going to say on the on the front page of whatever newspaper up there is going to be ecstatic that they added another guy. In State of Vanek. <sighs> Vanek attack. So let's start writing the yeah. headlines. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Is there a team that makes – Less sense for Thomas Vanek in the <laughs> NHL next year. Maybe Vegas, another team that begins with the. I no, I again, we have no idea what Vancouver's doing. I got nothing. They're rebuilding on the fly, so they're going to tie up a lot of money in, in old veterans. That, I think we need to redefine what on the fly means and what rebuilding means. Where would he fit in your mind, Vanek? With the Canucks in particular? No, 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 no. We're done talking about <laughs> Vancouver. I just I wrote about this a, a few weeks ago. Which NHL teams? I guess I'm not counting Vancouver as an NHL team if I say it like that. Which other NHL teams might be interested in him? And ironically, Detroit was still pretty interested in him. But like Florida, I mean, there's I, I don't understand any of these teams. No, I, I maybe a team that needs help on the power play that can can put him in a, a fixed role. Where he can almost, he has different skill set, obviously, than, than a Sam Gagne. But if you could play him lower in your lineup, but then use him as a power play specialist, maybe that would fit. But other than that, I just, I don't see a reason to, to bring him on board. So are you saying Columbus? And he's so slow. He's so slow. I, I, just, I, just, I don't see a need in the offseason. You know, that's one of those things where if he's still unsigned a month into the season, there's an injury. I can understand saying, okay, that's the best option of what we have if we don't want to call somebody up. But... I, I don't know. I don't know what he brings to you that's worth tying up even just a contract at this point. Well, he, I mean, he wasn't terrible last year. 17 goals and 31 assists on a, on a pretty bad team. And I guess 15 of those goals came in Detroit. He got traded to Florida, so he had only had two goals there. But, I mean, he's not awful. He's just, just – is he worth the roster fit. spot? That's the thing. You can call up – I'd rather call up a prospect and get my, get my 12 goals there. <laughs> at least and be it's able to – It's a heck of a tagline too, isn't it? Thomas Bannock, he's not awful. <laughs> we should all become agents. I'm just trying to buy time till I can find which playoff teams from last year needed power play help, and here but, they are. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. But I was going to say, like, it, it's not so much that he's awful. Is that is he is he good enough to not take a chance that one of your young players can step up? So we need a team that needs power play help and doesn't have any prospects is basically what we're looking for here, okay? <laughs> well, well, in that case, Vancouver kind of... <laughs> 
<laughs> now, now that you say it that way. A contender that needs power oh, play. Yeah. Colorado? Colorado? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. Nope. Uh, the Islanders didn't make the playoffs, but they were 28th in the power play last year. San Jose was 25th on the power play. I could see Vanek on San Jose. They really have no room for him. But yeah. Anaheim, too. Anaheim dropped from like being one of the best power plays, too. I think middle of the back, they were like 17th last year. But both those teams had enough talent. They should be yes. better on the power play. They just weren't. Chicago wasn't great on the power play. Would you want him there? Can he play defense? Uh, nope. No, but that doesn't seem to be a prerequisite to uh, signing with the Blackhawks. I don't think he can keep up with Patrick Kane, so I don't want to see him. I'm guessing he probably can't. He would just be the guy that's always ready for the drop pass, 30 feet behind Patrick Kane. Like, you just drive the net with the puck, and I'll stand out around the blue line. You drop it to me. So no good with that? No. Maybe Ottawa. All right, we're going to do this uh, preview here with Ken Warren of The Post. Get some uh, insight on a team that shocked everybody last season. Do you guys have any other news before we do this? You, mm-hmm. You're looking around like you have breaking no, let's, news. Let's no. jump to Ken Warren with Post Media. Sounds right. good to me. All right, we continue our summer preview series right now, taking a look at a team that went very deep in the Eastern Conference playoffs last year, the Ottawa Senators. We're joined now by Ken Warren of Post Media. Ken, what are the uh, expectations for this team after what happened last year in a, in a somewhat improbable run? Yeah, after a run like that, I guess, you know, expectations versus sort of uh, hopes, I guess. The expectations, of course, is is from the team is that they could get that far again. But I, I think a lot of people, even within the organization, recognize that a lot of things went went perfectly and ideal to get them to that uh, Game 7 against Pittsburgh, and, you know, when you get into overtime, they could have very well been in the final and could very well have won the Stanley Cup. So uh, there, there's no nothing to suggest inside the organization that they don't think they have uh, a, as good a team or a better team, but, you know, so many things have to go right. And uh, I think at this point there are a few question marks, uh, but not huge question marks compared to maybe a year ago. Ken, last season was such an emotional ride for this team. Craig Anderson's wife, of course, battling cancer. Clark MacArthur's return. And, of course, uh, as you and I talked about earlier today, Brian Murray's battle with cancer. How much did all of that galvanize this group and maybe help in that run? I think it was a special year. You never know how those things are going to play. And, you know, they're off ice sometimes. In many cases, off ice distractions have become on ice. But um, there was definitely a rallying around Craig Anderson um, and uh, and what he was going through with his wife and Craig Anderson played very well but at the same time they were into some really crazy situations without Craig Anderson the backup at the time was Andrew Hammond who I, I you know people will remember the incredible run he had three years ago uh, he he was injured he could not really fill the skates of Anderson when he left to be with his wife and it was sort of a crazy pickup by the Senators long shot to pick up Mike Condon, who was, who was incredible uh, in, in replacing Anderson. And they rallied around that as well. He, he played 28 consecutive games <laughs> while Craig Anderson was gone. And, and he was, you know, a very capable, probably not a frontline number one goalie, but a guy that can do that for a long stretch. And there was a rallying around that and a rallying around Craig Anderson. And, and you, of course you talk about Clark MacArthur and, he returned just before the playoffs uh, after several times this year being counted out and maybe thinking that his career was done. And uh, for him to come in just at the last, uh, he played in the last week and got into the playoffs, They it was the first time all year 
that the Senators had a completely healthy lineup, and and certainly that depth really helped them uh, in the playoffs. I know it's it's hard to answer this question, but can it be difficult to replace that emotion? That that emotion can carry you far. Is is there a danger maybe that there's a letdown after all that they had to do to rally, you know, circle the wagons last year and and get to the point they got to? I think it's a really good question, and I, and I, I we'll, we'll see, right? I mean, uh, you know, there are different things at different times that leads teams, and certainly the Anderson story. I mean, of winning the Masterton just because of everything he'd gone through in his battle, and yeah, you mentioned Brian Murray as well. I mean, Brian Murray, uh, unfortunately, you know, was very sad in Ottawa the last few weeks. He he passed away two weeks ago, and uh, there's certainly a lot of emotions being sent out that way, and, I, and I'm sure there's going to be some of that being felt when they come back at the start of this year. Uh, you know, training camp just kicking off in a couple of weeks. But I'm, th- I'm th- sure that's going to be a little bit in the background as well. So, you know, whether that becomes a, a rallying cry or emotional, I don't know. But uh, it is, sometimes you're right, it's very hard to, I, I don't know, just, I, I don't know the right, right way to phrase this, is to crank it up and, and to, to find something, you know, emotions were everywhere in this, this team uh, at various points in the year, and they got through some really tough times. So this year, I don't know whether you're, you're going to be able to match that and, and, and rally every time you seem like you're counted out and find a way to do it. So I, I think it's a really good question. Of course, you have to see how things play out and whether injuries fade, you know, fade into things or uh, how they play into things. I think it's going to be really intriguing that way in terms of they go into this year with fewer question marks, like I said earlier, and maybe that's positive, maybe it's not. Well, along those same lines, talking about how you know emotions and things that happen off the ice can affect players, much was made of Bobby Ryan's struggles last season, and, and you wrote a powerful piece last year on his emotional summer after the loss of his mother. What factors in your mind impacted his play, and did his postseason performance portend a better future, which they definitely need at, at his cap hit? Yeah, he, he's a really interesting guy, Bobby Ryan. Everybody knows that story of Bobby Ryan going way back. Uh, the stuff that he dealt with as a kid and his parents, and it's quite a crazy story. Um, you know, We don't have time here to talk about it, but it is quite, quite a compelling story. His mother essentially raised him and homeschooled him and uh, brought him up and uh, and that was you know that was what you're talking about last summer. She passed away just a couple weeks after his first uh, child was born and got a chance to uh, be with his mother. Her mother got a chance to be with the granddaughter. And, you know, it was quite something that he had into the season with. And and Brian's life in Ottawa has been. Uh, for the most part, not so positive just because you're right. He has a huge cap hit. has never been quite able to live up to the numbers that uh, he'd had in Anaheim. And he came in here and, and was had struggled, long slumps, not being able to put it together. He struggled with this new system that Boucher is a very strict uh, defensive-oriented coach. He struggled to find his way last year to find a way that where does he fit in. He couldn't quite get it until the playoffs when it, it, he was a new player. He, he was the Senators' best forward in the playoffs, which came out of nowhere for a lot of people. Um, and he was he was a real dominant power forward. Um, it really scored some huge, huge goals for them in, in all three series uh, that they were in. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think there's got to be way more confidence from him coming into a year to thinking, hey, I, you know, I can relax a little bit. He went from probably the guy that on radio shows and 
TV shows was probably the most criticized, the most uh, you know, people most opinionated in that they've got to get rid of this guy, that, that he has no future in Ottawa. And for that to have changed over the course of a month and a half with his playoff run has changed uh, has changed at least in the fans' mind what he is. Um, and and I think he's you know you loosen a little bit of that pressure. You come into a year, you still have expectations, of course, but I think he's going to come in. Uh, with a little bit more confidence, you know, maybe that uh, that he can be the type of power forward that probably he expected he was going to be from day one, and then certainly that the, the team thought he was going to be. So that I think it's, it, you're going to see a much more consistent player this year. Ken, two more years left on Eric Carlson's contract. He seems to be getting better every year. What's uh, what's his health status heading into this upcoming season, and, and what do you see a new contract eventually looking like for him? Yeah, that's a good question about the uh, you know the health he had. He was playing. I mean, I think everybody probably knows that story. During the playoffs, he's playing with a couple of hairline fractures in his foot, um, and and the way he played was quite shocking because he he was really 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 good. Maybe not so much. Might have caught up to him a little bit in the Pittsburgh series, uh, but a lot of guys wore down as well. But. Um, where he is, he had surgery uh, right after the season. He may not be ready to go uh, for training, probably not for training camp. And there's some question right now whether he may be fully recovered by the opening of the season. So that's going to play out, uh, you know, over through training camp. He has a history when he came back from the Achilles of coming back faster than expected. So perhaps, uh, you know, that that's the way his body works. Maybe maybe that's a sign that he can be back. Um, he's certainly this team is run runs through Eric Carlson. So if Eric Carlson isn't uh, at top of his game, then the hopes for the Senators are not as good, of course. But uh, in terms of contract, you know what? I, I think Eugene Melnick could uh, should probably have a blank check and just give it to Eric Carlson and tell him to fill it out because <laughs> he is the best defenseman in hockey. Uh, he proved last year that he can play both ends of the ice. And be dominant at both ends of the ice. A lot of people, um, and myself included, didn't know whether he could be the guy you'd rely on in the last two or three minutes of a game in their own end. But uh, he has certainly proved that in spades that he can do that as well as score the highlight goals and assists and plays that he does. Um, you know, and the kind of the stuff that makes the highlight real. But he can also do the you know do the hard work down low in defensive zone. So when it comes time to negotiate, this is going to be a really interesting thing next summer um, because they got to sign him a year before to be in that John Tavares situation that he's going through right now. Uh, I mean, he's going to be in excess of $10 million a year, yeah. um, maybe maybe even more. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting negotiation for a team that doesn't spend to the cap. And, and, and how does that affect, uh, you know, what you do with a few other guys that you're going to have to sign to keep here long term? It's going to be a you know that's the big question right now is next summer because what do you do with Eric Carlson? How much do you have to pay him to stay? And does he is he 100% slam dunk to stay in Ottawa? And and that's you know that's something that's going to play out a little bit through this year, but you know that's next summer's question. Speaking of big cap big cap hits on the blue line, uh, Dion Phaneuf takes a lot of criticism, obviously. Uh, along the lines of Bobby Ryan, probably I don't know what your take is there, but what did the Senators see in him when they acquired him in that massive nine-player trade? Uh, it was a trade of convenience in some ways. Ottawa had uh, they had cap problems. Uh, they well they had problems with a couple of players. They were either going to have to buy out or get rid of. It, it, 
they had Jared Cowan, who was uh, first former first round pick, who had some hip problems. Uh, I don't. I think he's. I don't think he's ever going to play a game. He had these hip problems. He could never quite recover. He was a big hulking defenseman that at times looked like he could be a real dominant physical defenseman, and uh, just just couldn't couldn't get the consistent game going. And before these injuries, on top of that, they had Colin Greening, another player had one strong year three years ago four years ago Jason Spezza was making three million dollars a year uh and he just was basically a guy that probably should have been playing in the AHL so they packaged them up and part of that deal to get Dion Phaneuf here all the while knowing that Ottawa knew that Dion Phaneuf wasn't worth the seven million dollar contract that he's making but they saw some value in his ability to be uh an okay top four defenseman, as well as being, and this is the big part of it, uh, a mentor in a way for, for Carlson. And, uh, you know, he'd been a captain in Toronto. Uh, that didn't go so well, but because it's Toronto, center of the universe, and as a defenseman who was probably thrust into a role that he couldn't fulfill as a number one defenseman. Uh, but he come, came to Ottawa, and he's a big part of what Carlson was able to do last year. Sort of calmed him down, was able to... Uh, Tell him, you know, just to relax sometimes. Took some of the media pressure off Carlson a little bit. Um, and he's not by any stretch a, a top one or two defenseman. And ideally, he's probably a second-pairing defenseman. And, uh, again, let's get back to that money. $7 million for a second-pairing defenseman is way too much. But he has a value in the sense that he can be uh, – he, he, he knows the game. He's a veteran. He can calm it down a little bit. And in the playoffs, when the game got a little grinding – he was very effective. He, he, he just like maybe not to the extent of Ryan. Uh, he changed a lot of people's view of him in the playoffs, and he uh, he he was a bit of a physical force, and uh, was able to control games a little bit because of what he did around his own net. Uh, staying on the blue line just for a little bit longer, how will the loss of Mark Mathot impact this team? No, we said there are very few questions. That's the big question here. It's. Uh, the thought, they got into, uh, and this leads actually back to Phaneuf, they got into a protection problem on the blue line when, with Las Vegas, and they'd asked Dion Phaneuf to waive his no-trade clause uh, or no-movement clause, and Dion Phaneuf refused because, you know, they, they figured nobody's going to pick up Dion Phaneuf for what he's being paid, uh, and that would have then allowed them to protect Mark Mathot, who was Eric Carlson's perfect uh, partner, um, and it played out exactly the wrong way for the Senators. They lost Mathot, who then got traded from Vegas to Dallas. So the question now is who becomes Eric Carlson's playing partner? Mathot was the ideal playing partner for him. Very defensive oriented, stay at home, uh, do the little job, you know, the small jobs. I think he scored one goal in the regular season last year, but just allowed Eric Carlson to be Eric Carlson. So the question now, who replaces him? Well, you know, it may be Phaneuf in a pinch. It may be Johnny Aduya, who they picked up uh, as a free agent late in the free agent signing season. They signed up to a million-dollar contract, but with bonuses, he can get up to $2.5 million. Uh, a, a, a fellow Swede, which is a factor with Carlson. They, the two of them talked about this in Stockholm in the summer before he signed. Uh, so certainly Carlson's on board with this. I think that would be in the Senators' plans sort of, the number one uh, hope is that he could play uh, with with Carlson. Now, injuries are an issue. Aduya's had a bit of a checkered pass the last couple of years after being in Chicago winning the Cup. He's had some injuries. So that would be their 
I think, where they'd want to go immediately. The other intriguing possibility here is Thomas Shabbat, who is probably, he's a, he's, he's a rookie. He was the Canadian Hockey League defenseman of the year, a draft pick, first-round draft pick a couple of years ago, had an outstanding junior year, starred for Canada at the World Junior Tournament. Uh, he's not ready to be in that role yet. But, you know, if he, if he progresses, there is a shot that maybe by the end of the year or, you know, maybe into next year that he could be the ideal playing partner for Carlson. So there, there's, a few, there's a few options here. Uh, but the biggest question, I think, is whether in training camp is whether Oduya can, be, can you know, sort of adapt to a role as uh, Carlson's playing partner. Ken, no Arizona-based podcast would be complete uh, when we have an Ottawa writer on without asking a Kyle Turris question. So Turris is going to be a UFA after this season. Are the Senators happy with the, the player they acquired? Are they happy with his progress, the guy they got so long ago from the Coyotes? Um, how has he changed since his arrival, and what does his future hold? Uh, I would think he's the probably the biggest, well, other than Carlson, I guess, making $6.5 million. I would say... Kyle Turris, the biggest bargain on the Senators, making three and a half million right now. Um, you know, I was like a lot of people in the NHL. I didn't know Kyle Turris, uh, you know, from other than the negotiations he was going through with with uh, Phoenix at the, the well, I guess it was Phoenix Coyotes at the time. Uh, and I had a certain opinion of somebody that you know was what are you holding out for? I mean, you gotta you gotta play this out the way the way uh, the CBA works. What are you doing? Uh, and I expected a different person to come to Ottawa. This guy has really been um, in Ottawa. He's the, he's the first to do community-oriented stuff. He's got all sorts of charity, charitable contributions. Um, he's probably, you know, he's not a frontline number one center. You could probably list 15 centers in the NHL who probably you'd take as a first-line center ahead of him. But... He slots in so well in sort of a 1A, 1B situation here in Ottawa. Where, where right now it's with uh, Derek Broussard. Uh, and asking whether the Senators are satisfied with what, what they got, well, I think uh, absolutely. I mean, when you look at that trade for David Renblad, um, it, where is David Renblad now? Is he, he's in, <laughs> is he playing in Switzerland? Is, is he in Russia? I don't know. It, it, it's amazing what's what how that trade has played out. And I, I think the Senators thought they they could find a player here uh, that could be a consistent, maybe second, third line center. Uh, but he's evolved into more than that. He's evolved in sort of like, uh, like, well, like I said, a one, a one B kind of center. He's not going to be a dominant number one center in the NHL, but he's just something just below that. And uh, that too, <laughs> it's going to be a tricky conversation to sign him. But he's sort of adapted Ottawa as a second home here. He's uh, he's a BC guy, but um, you know, with everything he does in the community, he's almost become a sort of a Ottawa's a first home as much as it is a second home now. Um, it, it, that had you know that trade. If you go through the history of trades and centers history, that's probably right up there. Uh, they did have a trade where they traded Alexi Ashen for Zidane Chair and Jason Spezza in two thousand and. One, uh, that trade's probably number one on the best trades in history, but this one's probably right below that. So what does that conversation go all the way to the summer? Do they try and get something done during the season? How does that play out? I would think sooner rather than later, yeah, uh, to get tourists on board because he's certainly, you know, you look at priorities and, and how you play this out. I mean, they're pretty good at center. They've got, they've got a fair bit of depth down the middle. 
um, and they can maybe have some options with some other players. But I think, given his age, uh, just headed into this you know UFA territory, it's the right time for them to lock him up. So, yeah, I would say sooner rather than later. Um, and I, I don't know if you're looking at they might put ballpark number out there. I think he's probably a five and a half million kind of player in a long term deal. Um, and maybe maybe the agent doesn't want me saying that. I don't know. He'll be asking for more than that. But I think that's probably where he lands, somewhere in there. Ken, last one for you. How does the uh, prospect pool look other than guys like Colin White right now? Well, Colin, yeah, uh, Colin White, obviously you guys know an American uh, World Junior star. Um, came in very late last year. Did not play. He played, uh, I'm going to say, two regular season games, and he only got into one playoff game uh, when injuries hit. But just did not play very much for for Guy Boucher, who's who's a guy who relies on his veterans a lot more than young players. But uh, the Senators see him as uh, the big part of their future. He, he's a guy that he may start the year in the AHL, but he will be in the NHL at some point. Um, he, you know, he's got sort of the whole package of being a two way player. So even if he's not putting up numbers, he's going to be valuable to your team. So I think he's. Where he fits in, that's a good question. They, they've got, like I said, they've got uh, Turris, Derek Broussard, who, who's had an injury of his own, may not come in at the start of camp healthy. Uh, you got Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who I think you guys might remember, scored that four-goal game against the Rangers. He's a really big part of it. Then after that, you got Nate Thompson, the veteran at center, and you know Colin White's probably going to have to be out one of those guys to start the year in Ottawa. But certainly he'll be the first guy called up if he doesn't start the year in Ottawa. And the other one I mentioned earlier is uh, Thomas Shabbat on the blue line. Uh, they, there's very high hopes for him to become uh, uh, maybe not at first a dominant defenseman, but he in a lot of ways has uh, you know, got sort of similar skills to Carlson. I mean, it's awful to care, compare somebody to Carlson, but he's, uh, he's got offensive skills um, that uh, very few players have. So over time he may become... He may become a real dominant uh, NHL defenseman. At least that's the hope here. Uh, and again, I think, given the way Guy Boucher likes to develop his players, he may start the year in the NHL, but he'll be in Ottawa at some point this year. That's Ken Warren of Post Media. You can find him on Twitter, at Citizen K Warren. Ken, great stuff. Enjoy the season. Thanks, guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for doing it, Ken. I think we are. All right. Yeah. Let's just keep going. I, we'll try not to drop any more explosives in the room. I think that was that was all Chris Schubert, actually. I don't think just anybody dropping, could hear it. Dropping M80s to, to keep us yeah, on our no. toes. No, nobody heard it until you brought that up. It's a good so. spot to put an ad. So there you go. You're, you're always worried about the spots. Now, know, and now it's entertainment. Hey, here's something for you. You ready? Okay. okay. <laughs> Since uh, we're going kind of informal. <laughs> uh, how strange is it? We talked about this last week, I think, when we were talking about the McDavid-Crosby comparison, that... You could make a case Crosby had one of his best seasons ever. You could make a case Eric Carlson had maybe his best season ever. Crosby didn't win the heart. Carlson didn't win the Norris. What is going on? And, and it's not even like either one of them got robbed. No, Brent Burns had a special season last year. A special three quarters of a season. Yeah, true. But it is measured over the, you know, he, he was very productive last season. But he, he was. I'm not saying Brent Burns didn't deserve to win. It's just isn't it sort of strange that Carlson and Crosby both had – we. Widely consider them future Hall of Famers, some of the best players to ever play their position. They both played some of their best hockey and didn't win awards last year. Yeah, it's, it's very much the professional sports award voting, where if 
the guys that have won in the past aren't necessarily actually less likely to win going forward, even if they have better statistical seasons. That's it. I, That's I, it. I feel I'm just sensing a little bitterness. Well, well, see, there's, there's no bitterness. Okay. Well, also here's here's the problem because I think with this last interview, you got you had for the Arizona listeners, two curse words were dropped: Turris and Runeblad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what Dave Runeblad's doing. I do know that Vladimir Tarasenko is doing a lot better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a very fair statement. Uh, Turris, I don't know. I mean, are Coyotes fans over Kyle Turris yet? I don't think so. Really? You don't think so? No. You, all you, you have to do is, why don't you just tweet right now, Coyotes fans, colon, how do you feel about Kyle Turris, and I, see what comes up. I think that I'm not going to do that from my personal account. I you specifically yeah. should. Maybe I'll do it from the show account. In, in the just the middle of the night tonight, like three in the morning when nobody's looking. No, I think you'll have some reasonable people there, but then uh, there are a lot of people that still haven't gotten over that. But isn't the Coyotes, playing they with St. Petersburg, by the way? Isn't, isn't he in the K? At least I think he was last year. Sure. I don't know. Go ahead and show sure. off your okay. KHL knowledge. Uh, Former Blackhawks. It's actually, great. just a guess. I could be completely wrong. He just Googled it. I didn't, actually. Um, well, I, 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 to, I actually. believe Turris is part of the small crew of players that are booed every time they oh, touch yeah, the puck in What do you think? What would be the all-time team of former Coyotes that Coyotes fans really dislike? That would be a great story. Well, Turris center, centering Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler's got to be there. Who else? Yeah, definitely. Did you Look. say Brzezgalov in that? I guess that's not really I, I, I think that's, that's more the players. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, for the Coyote players, which which player they dislike the most. Now, Kyle Turris would probably be, also be on that list. Yeah. Which is, of course, why he was Some crossover. shipped well, off, because he was a yeah. different person when he was here. Like, Dustin Brown would be on the team. He's not a former Coyote, but he would, he would <laughs> captain that team. <laughs> They'd still put him on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Ottawa? We didn't ask him about Alex Burroughs. And I was going to, and oh. then Craig gave me this look like, I don't want to hear about Alex Burroughs. Boy, I can't believe we didn't ask him. You, you got that. Wow. Guy Boucher, we didn't get to talk we about him that much. We communicate so well with those those cues. Well, you you just, got my Alex Burroughs look without me saying anything. You have That's a very impressive. specific eyebrow raise when you don't want to hear about Alex Burroughs I thought anymore. he was just going to – I thought he just bit his finger to let you know we're not going to talk about it. No, that's when we're not talking about Guy Boucher. He's, he's got a, a whole just sign language system for Craig Morgan when he's when he's done doing his interviews and, and his, uh, his podcast is over. You guys got anything else? We're wrapping up here. One thing quickly, because okay. we, we mentioned very early. Wow, Luke was very upset that I had something else to add, even though he specifically just asked twice. From Ottawa, no, that's fine. I'll just leave. Yeah, you know I mean, what? Pittsburgh How many did times beat Ottawa? Okay, I want to barely reiterate that. Okay. How many so. times did I have to twist your guys' arms to talk about Ottawa last year, even when they were going into Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Final, and now all of a sudden everybody no wants to that. talk Ottawa? Well, I mean, th- that's the point I wanted to bring up because we talked earlier in the interview about the emotion and can you carry that emotion over from season to season, especially the the type of emotion, which I think they would hope they don't have to worry about that stuff ever again. Uh, so I just I, I still don't have a lot of confidence that this mm. team. I mean, are, do, are you confident this team makes the playoffs? No, I'm not. That's the thing. If I were if I were picking teams today, I, I think I might only take three teams from the Atlantic. You wouldn't even have them in the playoffs. I don't. They were a goal. They were in double overtime in the Eastern Conference Finals, Game Seven last year against the eventual champs. You know, but we've talked. We also talked about that path that they had to the conference. They had an easy path. Was, and was the easiest worse. path imaginable. And they've gotten it, it worse. It really was. It really was. And you know what? To be fair. They were three points out of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, and they were four points out of missing the playoffs entirely last year. So if Boston has a healthy blue line going into that playoff series, do you think Ottawa even gets out of the first round? No. I mean, I'm not going to change it retroactively. I didn't think they would in in the moment. But what we saw from Eric Carlson last year, that wasn't a fluke. That's... No, he that's, was. That's one of the best of all time, I think, at that position because he evolved his game so much. Even in the the last twelve months, you know, he was a really good player, but he he wasn't 
elite defensively. Last year, he was elite defensively, too. You could make a case that he was the best player in the playoffs last year. I think you make a pretty strong case. Yeah. So but if you look at the Atlantic Division, though, I, th- I think we all assume, if they're healthy, that Tampa Bay is going to get back into the playoffs, right? Yes. yes. Montre- they might win the Cup. Montreal and Toronto will be in the playoffs, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, then then look at the, the teams that are making it from the Metropolitan. So you, you pretty much have one spot available. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because we, I mean, we all it's assume possible, I guess, but they'll be they'll be battling with teams like the Islanders. I don't know if Philadelphia will get itself into the mix. I don't have any faith in the Flyers anymore, but Boston will be right there. And you're probably talking about this team, about Ottawa. Faith in the Flyers sounds like a Flyers podcast from Philadelphia, where faith is spelled with ph. And on that note, no, I thought you had something to say. I, I not I anymore. I can't that. top that. <laughs> I had something to say, and I can't remember it. Can we just pencil in Ottawa versus Washington around one of the playoffs? And the, the Capitals already freaking out that Eric Carlson might single-handedly take them out. <laughs> I mean, we could all see that happening at least, right? If Ottawa gets in, they probably see, will be there, the last. There are seat. times in sports where you can have a, like a post-hype sleeper. Like nobody is going to think Washington's going to do anything next year, and that would be the year. But I'm very confident that it will not be Washington's year. Well, take that. We yeah. weren't even previewing Washington. Take that, Carl. Putting them wherever you are out there. Sorry, you're, Carl. You're right about Ottawa. You know, if if they ha- don't have all the adversity they had last year and they still play up to their abilities, maybe they are a playoff team. They're going to have Clark McArthur. Assuming we're, they're going to have him for an entire season, yeah. But, but what type of pl- yeah? But what type of player is he at this point? We don't know. We don't know. I just, I just, they're not a better team, at least on paper. Right yeah. now, they're not a better team. And I think we all thought that was fool's gold. Their run last year. I just, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they're the the the, the eight seed a double overtime goal away but, from being in the, in the cup final. I don't think it's they would have beat Nashville, but who knows? I mean, once you're there, anything goes at that crazy. point. So, all right, anything goes here. That's going to do it for us. Correct. Anybody else have anything else they need to say, Jamie? You want to tell us your life story? Wow. All right. Well, I got nothing. For Craig Morgan, for so Jamie Eisner. Hostility. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.